What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Yeah. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that shotgun set. Three receivers left. And here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady Unity caught ball. Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record a 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons. And what a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Throws up the middle. That's intercepted. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Goes toward the end. Battle in. Intercepted, picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hello and welcome, everybody, to our humble little podcast. I am Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. And our podcast is called The Salty Dogs. Yes. And we are The Salty Dogs. We are. And we're brought to you by Beef O'Brady's. Let me get this before You remembered this time. I know. I know. I'm getting, getting Beef's good is at happy. this. They are. Uh, wings and beer, beers and wings. Uh, nobody combines them like Beef O'Brady's. Start with the award-winning traditional or boneless wings in a variety of sauces and dry rubs. And then next, you've got to have your brew, and Beef has all your faves. On tap, Beef O'Brady's, where game time meets beer time and wing time all the time. Okay. Up. So you said... To all the ships at sea, I heard that uh, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> it's a telegraph sound. Yeah. To all, you said wings and beer, and then you said beers and wings. So yep. like in the second part, are you suggesting that you would have multiple beers? Yes. Okay. There's always a plural when you have beer. You don't go for a... You don't say, hey, let's go for a beer. Let's go, well, I guess you, you do go say for, that. You go for a you beer. You don't really mean it, though. No. Well, you could, but... You usually don't. You're not hanging with me. All right, so this is a podcast where we talk about the Buccaneers primarily. Yes. And in a little bit, we're going to have uh, Pierre Desir, Desir on for us. I'm going to ask him to pronounce his name. Sure. Because I've heard a bunch of different interesting, approaches. Interesting story. Looking forward to talking with him. Right, and we will. We have 10 minutes with him. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be able to break down all of it. But no. he has a very interesting story. He had a... You know, he had obstacles. He had tough times in the life, in his life, in his family's life. And yep. uh, he grew up in Haiti. I mean, was born in Haiti. Sure. Immigrated here at the age of four. Ended up around St. Louis in some hard, area hard areas. Louis, but yes. his parents worked hard to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. And then he became a, him and his now wife became parents at the age of 16. Um, uh, which, if you read about it, obviously... That's going to be tough, but it also brought a lot of love in their life, too. Yeah, you know, considering like, he's, what, uh, 32, so the he's son... He's got three kids. Yeah. And uh, the the one that was born first, is her name's Keely, and um, obviously the, the family, they're in great shape now, Yeah. but they had to work, he had to work very hard, his wife had to work very hard to get there. So we'll talk a little bit about sure. that. It's hard to cover in 10 minutes, Yeah. but just know uh, it's a guy with a very interesting backstory, and a guy that made a really big play in the last game in his former NFL home, so we're right. going to talk to him about that. Yep. But first, it seems weird. Whenever we do this, sometimes we do it on Tuesday, sometimes uh-huh. on Wednesday, sometimes Thursday. Whenever we do it on Thursday, it almost seems a little weird to talk about the last game because yeah. we've all kind of moved on from then. Total. We're all just talking about – everybody's just talking about the Falcons and the stretch run. Sure. And kind of all the talk about the indie game was the last few days, but I still think we need to touch on some things. Jeff. Yeah, I, go ahead. First of all, let me hear what was your favorite thing. 
in the game. Um, wow, there's so many to choose from. But I'm going to say uh, my favorite thing in the game was Scotty Miller. And the reason why is, one, he got the pass interference call. And then, two, the hustle on getting the uh, muffed punt. I, I thought for someone who hasn't played in for a while, to hustle like he did, I, I, I enjoyed that. Also, that's a new role for him, playing the gunner uh, yeah. on the left side on punts. And he was out there, and he was consistently getting down the field quickly, sure. which is why you'd put him out there because of his speed, right? Yeah. Uh, but the returns kept going in the other direction. But on this one, he was down there so fast that he was right there when the guy muffed the punt. Yeah, and, and the thing about this game, you, you, can, you have a number of favorite things that you could choose from. Well, so obviously, what was yours? Leonard Fournette. Well, I, I'll give you an, another reason to be happy about Scotty. All right. And... Um, I think my favorite thing about that game was in several key moments how great our receivers are at blocking, mm-hmm. especially Chris Godwin, of course. Yeah, no question. But um, so there were some moments in that game where the blocking of our receivers was critical. One of them, you remember the third and eight play with Rob Gronkowski, and it was around midfield. Uh-huh. Um, the the pass was thrown out to him in the in the right flat, but he only maybe three yards past the line of scrimmage. So there was a lot of work still to be done mm-hmm. for him to get the first down on third and eight. And he made a great individual effort uh, picking uh, the right lane and, and uh, twisting through some tackles and getting past the line. But I don't think he would have been able to do it alone. Uh, Chris Godwin had a great block. And Scotty Miller, which we expect Chris sure. Godwin to do, Scotty Miller, little not guy. the biggest receiver, right. great block, which created a lane for, for Gronk to go through. Uh-huh. And th- those two blocks were critical on a critical play. On the Leonard Fournette game-winning touchdown run, um, and I thought I liked the way um, Byron Left talks about it, talked about it today. Byron said when he was on a headset uh, after they called that play and right before the snap, he said, I think we might break this one, or I think this one might go. In yeah. other words... You know, I, oh, we were about. probably around the 28. We were at the 28. Yep. It was the 28. We are at the 28, at which point it's a 46-yard field goal, uh, which Ryan Suckup's probably going to make, but you'd like to get closer to feel yeah, better about it, always. right? always. So you call runs, you're running down the clock, and you're getting closer, uh, and you probably think, you know, it, we're going to get four or five yards, hopefully, maybe more. But then he sees and goes, we might break this one. And sure enough, he breaks out in the open to the left, and he gets around the corner, and Byron also said, when he saw that it was Chris Godwin that was down the field uh-huh. blocking, he knew they were going to score because Godwin is such a good blocker. Yes. So yeah. if you watch that play again, uh, he comes, Leonard Fortnite comes barreling around the left end, starts upfield. He's got a full head of steam, and Godwin is blocking uh, Isaiah Rogers, who whose game was not over at that point. There was still another big moment for him. But he's blocking him and blocking him, and at the last second, Rodgers manages to, to like slide off of him and get in Leonard Fournette's path. And in retrospect, he probably wishes he hadn't. Yeah. Cause he's, <laughs> because It's like sliding over to take a charge sure. in the last second of basketball. Here comes, here comes the truck. He had yeah. no chance. I don't know if there's a DB in the league who could have disengaged from a block and seconds later stopped Leonard Fournette with a full head of steam. The second best part about that play is it happened right in front of us down because we were so high. The press box is very high in that stadium. But that particular run was right where we were, so we had great view. But my other, when you're talking about great blocks and everything, Donovan Smith took two guys out on that play. On that play, did he? I didn't he, see that He part. took two guys out on that play. And well, we had him after the game, and we kind of brought it up. And he was like, you know, TJ was like, I, I think you took two guys out. And there was this pause, and then Donovan goes, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> and, I, and it was. It was 
absolutely just opened it up. He took two guy, took one out, and then came back and took the other. So you can't ask for more than that. Well, you know so, the blocking is everything in in the run game. So there you go. We right? tend to go on tangents on sure. this. So let's go on one right here. All on right, Donovan Smith. Um, I would say, and back me up if you think I'm right, that for the majority of Donovan Smith's career here, which began when he was a Second round pick in 2015. Back me up if you think I'm right. That usually most people say, <laughs> you know, back me up if I'm wrong. But go ahead. No. Yeah, go ahead. I got you. I just like to tell you said. I didn't. I, I was going to say back me up here, but yeah. you. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I can't assume that you're going to agree with me. Well, oh. Uh, my my basic point was going to be that Donovan Smith drafted in the second round. Mm-hmm. He's been, at, at the very least, and there's it's a lot more than this. He's been an Iron Man. At a critical position. He has Correct. locked down the left Believe. tackle position for yes. almost every game and almost every snap mm-hmm. over the last seven years. Something like that now. Yeah, 15, it's hard 16, to believe. 18, 19, 20. So I have fe- this is the part I wanted to see if you'd back me on. I have felt that his story for the majority of his career here has been that the opinion of him inside the building, coaches, personnel people, is much higher than what he gets credit for. In the outside world. Nope. There's question. been a lot of criticism earlier in his career. A lot of outside analysts felt he wasn't as good as we felt interior that he was. Whoever was right back then, I think it's irrelevant now. Right. A moot point because now I think he's playing at the highest level of his career, and I think everybody's recognizing it there, now. For whatever reason, there's always some players that no matter what they do, they get dogged. And then there are other players that – you know, they're good, but they get so much more of, right. oh, 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 oh. The perception so, of them is and I don't locked un- in. And I don't understand it because uh, Donovan's a very personable individual. He's, you know, out there in, in the community, all these things. And it's like you said, he's been an Iron Man. And well, he's also been good. Yes. And now I think he's really good. And you should vote for him in the Pro That's, Bowl because I think out. it's still open right now. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of time to go. Okay. We stand out there on the edge of the practice field mm-hmm. in the mornings and the o- offensive line does their individual drills very close to where we are. Sure. And so they sometimes you know, jokingly mm-hmm. say some things to the media, but this yesterday they were all stumping for Donovan Smith for the pro bowl. I'm and they could do that for any guy. Obviously mm-hmm. I think there's a rising opinion that Ali Marpet and Tristan Wirfs are pro bowl caliber players. Right. So, and our offensive line ranks first in the NFL in sacks allowed per pass play. And okay, as, so they're doing well. And here's the thing, too. I, I want your opinion on this. Uh, Tristan's just been phenomenal. From day one. From day one. Now, would he be that phenomenal if he had come in when Donovan came in and the O-line was not totally there yet? If yeah, you look who knows? At, I don't know. You I, see what I'm saying? Is like sometimes you can come in. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's very, very good. He's great. I have yeah. a feeling he would have succeeded. Yeah, probably. He, but he maybe Donovan had to grow into it a little bit, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, there wasn't as much talent up front. Sure. And uh, he and and Allie were immediately Working. stepped into the it, starting lineup. That's what I'm talking about. Two I'm rookies. sure they're better now than they were then. Oh no question. Um, yeah, but in any case, I do feel like the public perception of Donovan, Donovan Smith this season, maybe last season, has caught up a little bit about how he's valued with how he's valued as it should building. be. Yeah. And now you just have. You can look at that and go, Tom Brady gets to play with two really good offensive tackles mm-hmm. who are having great seasons. Yes. I, I, I'm totally back to you that, up. And that play You're that, never going to get me to agree with you more than right now. 
Well, part of it was were you agreeing with me that he was underappreciated, um, or at least the yeah. perception of him was different inside and, I, and outside the building. I never understood. You know, and another guy that I thought also, you know, when you, you say that, there just seems to be, like, I thought Gerald McCoy in his earlier years took a lot of heat. Even because I think what happens is you you are expected to replace someone and be yeah, but he this also person. made like six Pro Bowls. Yeah, yeah, but 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 there were people out there who didn't think he was deserving, and I always disagreed with that too. So hopefully uh, we can get uh, Donovan into the Pro Bowl. That would be nice. I think I think it would mean a lot to him because it's it's been like it you said be, seven years. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the Pro Bowl voting right now, don't read too much into it. Uh, I think you've seen it's only the fan voting going on right now. If you don't know, the Pro Bowl players are chosen in what BA says is a flawed system, and I don't disagree, right. with thirds, a third counting each of fan voting, mm-hmm. coach voting, and player voting. And theoretically what happens is whatever the fan vote is creates a ballot that's you know one ballot. Mm-hmm. And then each, also for the coach and the players, and then they're merged. Last year, as an example, we just looked at this today. Around this time, we had three guys that were leading their their spots in, in voting among the fan votes. We had another one who was second, and then Jason Pierre-Paul, or a couple more that were second, and then Jason Pierre-Paul was running third at his position. Well, well you know what happened. Only Jason Pierre-Paul made, made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. So don't put much stock into that. Um, it Players will, and coaches mean it, more. It is going to be very, now, and then the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and tied the Giants of I don't remember which year as the only teams to win the Super Bowl to have one or fewer Pro Bowlers, which was just an indication of how deep the town was yeah. and how underappreciated some of our guys were. Sure. And and it'll be interesting to see now if they get that Super Bowl bump and, and guys that were great players that were absolutely crucial to us winning the Super Bowl, like Ali Marpet and all those offensive yeah. linemen and Devin White and Levante David, are they going to get recognition this time around usually that's what happens usually it's the year previously yeah it it was funny last year that tom brady didn't make the pro bowl yeah after throwing 40 touchdown passes and his name is tom brady i don't think that's going to happen again well what was it 99 the year that gosh we sent like i don't know eight players it was i mean there is trent and there is you know tony mayberry guys that we sent 10 one year. Yeah. We sent nine, I think we sent eight in 97 when we had the breakthrough year. Yeah. yeah Trent was on it that year. Sure. Trent Dilfer. Which, um, which maybe this is the year that that happens, and it could be, you know. Um, it would be nice. It would be. This guy should it, get it, some recognition. I, I totally agree. Is the Pro Bowl in Orlando still? I I think so. It I didn't happen last year, I, obviously. I kind of checked out when they quit putting it in Hawaii. Cause I, I know. Lo- I loved Well, you went to the <laughs> Pro Bowl in Hawaii, yeah. and you know how much fun that is. It was is. great. I want to go back. I know. I did, it's like, gosh. So, um, a little more from the indie game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, maybe it's in Vegas. Really? Oh, that'd be cool. I've never I, been to Vegas. I think maybe they gave it. Maybe they, I think, I, I think they want to do it in Vegas. But, you know, that's that's horrible. We don't know where the Pro Bowl I is. I got my computer right here. Well, you, you want me to look it up? Uh, or you, you, you use your little tiny computer there? I can use my little tiny computer. So, I'll talk about something while you're doing that. Um, right. Mike Edwards, uh, as I said, that corner that got trucked by Fournette, uh, on the touchdown, his name's Isaiah Rogers, uh-huh. and that was not the end of his story for that night because with there were 20 seconds left on the clock, and there you know Coach Arians brought up after the game that if he he kind of regretted not telling guys to kneel if they got near the end zone mm-hmm. right take a knee because Fournette put us up 38-31 but there was 20 seconds left if you go down at the two you can run the clock down 
to one second, sure. kick the field goal, and then there's you know, the game's over. Right. I get that, and I know that works 99% of the time. It still would scare me because yeah. I'm like, if he scores, we know we got the, the touchdown. Yeah. If you make him kick a field goal, maybe there's a bad snap. Right. Maybe it slips through Bradley Pinion's fingers. And, maybe there's a block. Right. Maybe so uh, yeah. I'll take the touchdown. But in any case, 20 seconds left on the clock. They had one timeout. They have to get a touchdown on a field goal, obviously. Uh, do you already have the answer? Or do you want to let me know? Yeah, it is Vegas. It is Vegas. Okay. Uh, I was right. <laughs> Yay, me. So the Bucks probably don't have much to worry about. They've got to go the length of the field. And, and what happened? So yeah. Bradley Pinion had kicked every kickoff into the end zone, all for touchbacks in his first six, which is what he usually does. Sure. He kicks this one four yards deep into the end zone. But because they had nothing to lose. Off we go. They run it out, and it's the same guy, Isaiah Rogers, on the return. And, boy, does he find a seam to the left. He does a little counter. He starts a little bit to his right and then counters to the left and gets through a gap, and then he's out on the open. He's off to and the races. we're all terrified. Yeah. And uh, Mike Edwards. What a run, huh? Was playing the – they call the outside guys – you know, you got 11 guys lined up, the mm-hmm. kicker in the middle, five on each side. Sure. They call the outside guys safeties on that – in that, mm-hmm. on kickoff coverage. So Mike Edwards is the safety on the left side, our, our left side, but the right side of the return team. The, the return goes the other way. But as the guy on that side, your first job is to keep your lane and make sure you don't leave the end open so if it reverses mm-hmm. around your way. You're, so he can't, he can't start going over Not too yet. soon. Right. But then it's, he gets a, he's sprinting down to about the, their 30 when it's clear that the return's going the other way, so his best thing to do is go in that direction. And then as he starts going horizontally across the field, Roger starts breaking through, and so now Edwards changes his angle and is, is running back down towards the Bucks sideline, but at an angle that he hopes can intercept the guy, right? Good angle. Because he got past every, everybody else. Mm-hmm. Everybody else. Okay? Patrick O'Connor was coming in, but I don't think he could match the speed of this guy, and Giovanni Bernard was a few steps behind. And... uh Edwards manages to make it there and actually almost overshoots it. The guy makes a little move underneath a him, but he he grabs he's, he's able to grab him with his left arm as he goes by and spin him out of bounds. Yeah. Awesome play, right? I did some next gen looking up on that to write an article about it, and Mike Edwards ran reached a top speed of twenty point three nine miles per hour <laughs> on that play as he was pursuing the guy. Uh, and after the game, Coach Arians just anecdotally had said. That was the fastest Mike has run all year. <laughs> I don't know if Bruce Arians knows about next-gen stats or cares about him, but, but they proved he was right. I looked it up. That yeah. was the fastest he has run at any point this season. Now, how fast was the returner running? 21.39 was his top miles per hour, which was faster than Mike, but Mike but had the angle. Angle, yeah. So Mike... That's where uh, algebra and geometry <laughs> It's like uh, you fast. see the yeah. figures floating in front of your eyes in space. Yeah. It's like you're, wow. you're a beautiful mind here. Um, he... So he, um, I lost my train of thought. He also ran 100.8 yards on the play <laughs> <laughs> because of all the looping yeah, around. Yeah. Farthest he's run on any play this season. So to save the game, Mike Edwards had to run farther and faster than he has at any point this season, and he did it. Were you just like shaking your head when it was going on? To, well, me, the, to me, it was like in slow motion. I was in an elevator. No. With a little TV in the corner. Oh. And I'm like, what is going on? And Jeff, okay, so we're going down the elevator. <laughs> we get, you know, as you said, the press box was on the top level. Yeah. Get on the elevator. 
And I don't know where these guys came from because we were already on the top level. But whatever. Weren't we on the top level or was there one above? No, us? we were on the top level. Well, anyway, I'm on the, the elevator. The only thing higher than us were the girders. I'm on the elevator riding down. There's about five people, most of them media, and there's a person running the elevator. And then there's this kind of uh, shady-looking guy <laughs> in a Colts jersey, skinny little guy, uh, you know, just looking a little shady. And uh-huh. he's having some kind of problem. He's retching and he's coughing and he's turning towards the back of the elevator and making a lot of really bad noises and everybody's going, are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, it became pretty clear that he was just really drunk. And then he took a call and was like talking at a high volume about, blah, I left to get the car, blah, 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 whatever, right? Which is a scary thought. Right. But um, so nobody's paying any attention you to were the in TV. A, you were in a public elevator? No, the elevator down from the... But there were pre- there were there were sweets around there too. It was probably some oh, guy who had been in a suite. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and had a few too many. Yeah. And was trying really hard not to throw up in the elevator, which uh, I appreciate which, that he succeeded. Yeah. He got off on street level, and then we continued down. Okay. But my point being, that was um, distracting, and n- nobody was looking at the TV. <laughs> and I look up and I see that guy running. I'm trying to think: is that a replay? Is that a replay? Is that happening right now? And I realize it's happening right now, and I might be witnessing the most amazingly terrible. Moment since maybe Indianapolis in 2003. Yep, in an elevator. And I'm in an elevator, and I'm going to get down to the press box room, I mean, the press conference room, expecting to have this happy press conference, and I'm going to have to sit down there during the overtime to see if we win or not. Yeah. But fortunately, Mike Edwards saved the day. Yes. And then Pierre, who we talked to, who we'll talk to, to, uh, saved the day. Gets the pick. Uh, I, I was, and I'm going to ask him about this. I was scared on both of those last two plays. They they ran one play that was Levante David broke up with a mm-hmm. nice play and covering Jack Doyle, and then they were down almost to, intercepted it too. They were down to their last five or ten seconds, had time for one play, and Carson Wentz just scrambles around. And even though the play was from the thirty-two, by the time he scrambles around, he's making a pretty deep throw. Sure, throws it up towards Michael Pittman, Jr son of former Buccaneer Michael Pittman. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you need to know about Michael Pittman is that he's very big and he's very physical and he's very good at jump balls. Yeah. And we've got a jump ball situation coming here, and Pierre Desir is there and, this year. And makes it happen. And he managed to jump. But what I'm thinking in both those plays, especially the second one, was no DPI. No DPI. No DPI. Considering that there were a number of flags thrown for there that. There were. There was a very important one for the Bucks mm-hmm. too, actually. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he didn't. He clearly didn't do anything that could have been considered pass interference, and the game was over. But that's what scared me, because you can't end the game on a defensive penalty. So if he got DPI at the one, which is where he caught it, right. or the two, there would have been an untimed down from the two. Yeah, well, they they kept Michael Pittman Jr. in check, consider, considering that um, Winfield Jr. made an awesome, awesome play. Michael Pittman is listed as six foot two or six foot four, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, Antoine Winfield is 5'9". Yeah. Keep that in mind when you are picturing that there is, in your head. Well, there is a picture of of um, of them together and how high he's actually <laughs> jumping compared to where the feet Pittman didn't get his where, where Pittman's feet are yeah. compared yeah. to Winfield Jr.'s feet is unbelievable. Pittman kind of lost the ball a little bit and was trying uh-huh. to figure out where it was, and I don't think he even jumped. That's a, that was a hard catch. I don't care. The, the fact that he had his back to it and catching it over his shoulder like well, that. Well, it was such good body control because he, he, he knew where the ball was, and, yeah. and Pittman didn't. And he leaped up, and he somehow kept his body off Pittman and just kind of reached over him Crazy. and snagged it. And pulled it back down and then landed and then and was able to get away running. from Pittman. Yeah, uh, yeah both, um, both Bruce Arians and somebody else that came in to the press conference room after the game said it was one of the most amazing picks they've ever seen. I, I, I'm t- I'm and then Rob Gronkowski, and I like this. I like sure. this. Rob Gronkowski, without being asked, he was asked about Winfield, but not in this. He, he said he thinks he's like the most underrated player on the team. 
I so. could I could agree. I could. Do. I think yeah. Antoine Winfield's teammates really value what he does. Well, you know, it's like what happens is when you do that stuff, it just becomes the norm. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's crazy. It, I'm not saying it should lose the wow factor, but he's pretty incredible. You know, he, he did a lot of that in college, though. So maybe that's yeah. The, he was he's a turnover yeah. magnet. Yeah, he's he should be a big play guy for us for a long time to come. So. Um, weird thing from that game. Not not besides the elevator ride. Something yeah, yeah. more. They were okay. Indianapolis it, was I think five of eleven on third downs. Yeah, but they were zero of five. On five tries that needed five yards, or on however many tries they had that needed five yards or less. But they also converted four of them that needed ten or more yards. We, we were playing really good third down defense, mm-hmm. except when it was third and really long. I, I, I hated it, because every time it was third and long, I'd think to myself, oh, great, they, got, go us right, they right. got us right where they want us. Well, one was the scramble, and it's, yeah. it's got to yeah. be one of, when you're When you're rooting for the defense, it's got to be one of the most frustrating things to watch when you've got them pinned third and long, you get a good pass rush, the coverage is good downfield, and the quarterback starts to run, and then you look, because you can see from up above, mm-hmm. and you look and go, oh, man, there's nothing but open field in front yeah. of this guy. I mean, because as soon as he broke out, you're like, here we go. There's no way we can stop him. He's no. going to make it. Yeah. So that was disheartening. Uh, but there were a number of others that were just picking up blitzes and, and making quick th- and accurate throws by Carson Wentz. I think that's the thing he did best in that game mm-hmm. was he made nice, accurate throws when he had to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, it's funny as you're talking about this. Uh, yesterday on the NFL Network, the game ran again, and yeah. so I, w- I watched it. And um, th- the more I was watching it, the more I was thinking, wow, this Colts team is really, really good. I thought they were good mm-hmm. before, but after seeing them in person and then rewatching it, that's a good football team. Yeah, that's they, that's a quality win. That's, they a, were, that's um, a good win. They won five of their last six. They just won at Buffalo, mm. forty-one to fifteen. How does that happen? That's, We've been talking about this all year. I know you can't and make sense of any of it. I think Tom Brady said it really well today during his press conference. He said, "The talent is so good in the NFL, any team can win a game." But it's how you put he, it all together to keep winning, winning, winning. Well, he also said even a very talented team could go 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh-huh. What you need in order to have a talented team but have a really good record by the end of the year is everybody committing, all the players committing to each other. Yeah. That's what he said. And who's going to argue with Tom Brady? Well, that's what I'm saying. But it's it, like when he just said that, you know, mm-hmm. a team could win on a, you know one game. or And I think that's what we're seeing in in – this year more than ever is that teams bow up on one game and just really make it happen. Yeah. Um, but hey, it was a quality win. It's I think, hard to figure I think out. the team needed it. I think I think the Bucks needed a win like this against well, a team like that. It was that. a really, it was kind of a weird game. Don't forget, Indianapolis didn't get a first down until two and a half minutes into the second quarter. Yeah, and then they put points on the board. And well, then they went nuts. Yeah, they went nuts for like they scored twenty-one points in the third quarter. Uh, somebody. Had looked up, um, I can't remember who told me this note yesterday, it was probably Greg Allman, um, that in 22 previous times when we'd, up, we'd ever allowed 21 points in a second quarter, we lost all of them. Oh, yeah. It was the first time we've ever yeah. overcome 20 point points allowed in the second quarter. But, you know, that's... Don't forget also that the Colts, the Colts started the game, their first drive, on the Bucks 39 because yeah. of a bad offensive series and a penalty and a shanked punt. Uh-huh. So they were on our 39, and they got three, three points. points. No first down, three points. That's big. I mean, other than the, some third down plays that extended drives and a couple fourth downs as well, the Bucks defense played pretty well. Yeah, I, I was having this discussion, and 
even though the game wasn't going uh, the way Buck fans would want it to, at no point did I think we were out of it or we were going to lose the game. For whatever reason, I just thought they're going to come back. They're going to hmm. come back. I don't know. I was kind of uh, I was kind of fifty fifty at halftime. I didn't feel like the game was lost, but mm-hmm. I, I think we can't really afford to keep making mistakes. I guess Leonard Fournette just had a heck of a halftime speech. Yeah, that's right. He said he gave a halftime speech. Yeah, and you know, I guess it's guys just stepping up when they need to. And, and well, and you have to. I mean, he got four touchdowns. Jeez. Yeah, you know? tied a team record. All right. So, um, hey Jeff, did you know that was the third best fantasy game ever by a Bucks player? Uh, no. Yeah. I. You know, you bring up fantasy. After I was watching the NFL uh, or our game, I was finishing up in my office and I looked up. And there's a fantasy show starting. And I was, you know what? You've been bad. Not bad. Well, yeah, I'm not a fan of fantasy. I don't. So I decided that I am going to watch this. I am going to watch this program. And as I watched it, I'm thinking, why am I watching this? It's people going, <laughs> well, you know, I've got Tom Brady and I've got, I'm going, how hard is that? I mean, seriously, you're doing a a, a full TV show, and you're telling me, like, perhaps you should have Tom Brady on your fantasy team? I don't need to watch th- that. I could figure that out on my own. So I'm not really, I guess, I don't know. I'm going to try it, though. I really am. I'm I don't gonna, know why I, you would. Well, because there don't must. Don't try it. We, there, don't, we don't need you, Jeff. There must be something to it. And maybe it's like, you know. I know people who it's like playing. It's like sweet potatoes. As a kid, I never ate sweet potatoes. As an adult, I tried them, and I went. Wow, these are really good. So maybe I should try a fantasy. See, I don't like sweet potatoes and still don't like them. Okay. So I, I think next year I'm going to ask you to let me in one of your fantasy leagues and see what I can well, do. Well, yeah, I'd be happy to play. It's like when you, it's like when somebody wants to join your, um, your poker, poker club. game <laughs> and you know they've never played poker before. Yeah, but you know, if, definitely I, want you if I go by the color of the helmets and win, you will just be furious. Jeff, I don't like those shows either. I don't like pregame shows. And a lot of fantasy shows um, strike me. Well, you like the pregame show you're on. <laughs> strike me. I, I meant TV shows. Oh, yeah. Strike me as um, kind of pointless to watch. Right. Because they're telling you who's better this week. But you've drafted your team back in August. You right. have who you have. Yes. You're, you're okay. playing your guys. So you're not. that was the part I will I tell you the reason, Jeff. Okay. And I don't do this type of fantasy football. It has no interest. Does not interest me at all. And also, as an info employee, employee, I'm not allowed to. Right. You can play in a regular fantasy sure. league, and I think as long as you don't have payouts more than like two hundred dollars, yeah, something like that. So right. I can play. I'm allowed to without being in trouble losing right. my job. I can right. play fantasy football. I cannot play daily fantasy football. Okay, that and I don't difference. want to play daily. All right. All right. But in daily fantasy football, each week you can choose whoever you want. Okay, it now, does, in, in in a draft league. You draft your guys back in like August or and that's September. your team. And if yeah. you took Tom Brady, I can't take Tom yeah. Brady because okay. you've already got him. Right. But in this, these type of shows, they're telling you because of these factors, Dak Prescott should be really good sure. this week because that, of these factors. Right. Or they tell you about injuries. You solved the mystery. Or they tell you, okay, your guy got hurt. C.D. Lamb isn't going to play this week, so is there another receiver I can use instead that wouldn't already be on a team? And they tell you who to look for. I told you, you. Made everything, the light just went on in okay. my head. Now I understood what they were talking about. Yeah, because I still don't I, think you should enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. Because I was thinking, well, you drafted your players. Why would you do it? But I didn't realize there was well, a you do day, Conceivably, you have, yeah. a, you have a bench. So if you have two guys that you like and you can only start one tight end, they might tell you, hey, start this guy. Sure. Okay. 
So, uh, all right, yeah, so that's that, what it's that all makes about. sense. But, okay, I get that. Yeah, now. so all Doug right. Martin had a um, had the big day in Oakland. That's the best uh, fantasy day in team history yeah. with the four touchdowns yeah. in 2012, that. 250 yards. And then uh, there's a Mike Evans game. Maybe it was against was Pittsburgh. Did, did Cadillac Williams, or yeah, did Caddy have a great game in Minnesota? Yeah, but it wasn't one of our top ten fantasy okay. games of all time. Okay. Uh, there was a Mike Evans game with three touchdowns and 198 yards against somebody Pittsburgh or somebody yeah. that that's second. But in any case, sure. that is definitely a tangent because I wasn't trying to talk about fantasy. No, we were talking about um, how great uh, Leonard Fournette was and is, and also, and this is the second week in a row that this has happened. Rojo has looked good in the in the bits of time that he's had. I like how they're mixing it up now. I like because they're different runners. They're different style running. So well, I, I, I think like when Rojo gets in the game, he runs hard. Yeah. So if, um, he's done really well. You know, he ends up with maybe 37 yards on five carries or something, which doesn't blow you away when you look at the stat sheet. No. But you're able to give Leonard a rest. And Rojo still does a good job. And, you know, they gave the ball to Rojo once at the goal line, and he punched it in. Leonard himself said after the game that about that, that he said, yeah, I I was fresher at the end of the game. He's talking about that last round because they're being able to get Rojo involved now. All right. So that's a good thing. Yes. I mean, that's what you want. And I I like what Bruce Aaron said long ago. You can't have too many good running backs. So. In, in that instance, you, you have to have at least two, and two that you believe in, and not just like, yeah, maybe we can go this way. I think I think we're in good shape there. Yeah, there's going to be some decisions to make at the end of this year, though, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about the end of the year. Leonard I'm, Fournette is yeah. Ronald Jones. Could have a big, big... They're big. all coming to the ends of their contracts. Giovanni Bernard? I, yeah, I, um... I read the... I read the I, you're going to see how I put this all together. I read the book, uh, Season in the Sun. I read that we by had Lars joy, Anderson. We had yeah, fun. that's seasons, had seasons in, the in the Sun. This is Season in the Sun by, who? by Lars Anderson. It is the Bruce Arian story about um, Tom Brady coming to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl year hmm. and having lived it. But in in there, it talks about Leonard Fournette being cut, how how he drives in, thinking it's a typical day at six thirty in the morning, walks in and gets cut by the by Jacksonville, has a number of different places to go. He chooses to come here. He realizes he's not being the starter. Little pouty, how Bruce Arians sits down with him, says, hey, we're going to need you. Look what happens. And what makes me think about is that here's a team that gives up on a guy, and he comes here, and by coaching, he develops a really great attitude. And you're now talking about, we got some major decisions to make because at the end of this year, he, he could he could go for a big contract, which it, it's your environment sometimes and not just the player. Hmm. So I I thought that was uh, all right. So worth. read "Season in the Sun" by Lars Anderson. Uh huh. Did you read that in one weekend? Uh, it took less than two days. It's a fast read. Um, we need to move on. I think. Okay. But I got a few more notes on this. Sure. Any game before we back away from it. Um. Because I want to talk a little bit about the Panthers and the Saints too. Uh-huh. One thing, um, uh, I'm trying to, I think the turning point in the game was the strip strip sack by Shaq, who, by the way, has more strip sacks since he got here than any other player in the league. See, and that's what. And there's another play. There are so many turning points, but that was the, that set the tone. No so, question. So here's here's how he I look, got the trifecta. Here's how I look at the game. You mean he forced the fumble? Sure. Got the sack, forced the fumble, recovered the fumble. Yep. Buccaneers scored to make it 17-14. The 
There's two. There's there's like three minutes left. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I feel good considering how things were going. I feel good if we go into the halftime down seventeen fourteen. Yeah, and that's when the they put together that long drive that includes several long third down conversions. It was weird, Jeff. That was a basically a two minute drill that had fourteen plays. Yeah, it was a fourteen play like two minute drive. That is weird. When, when that when that started, Gene made a comment that this two minutes could take ten minutes, and it did, and it did, and we we were like so mad at him at halftime. We told him <laughs> you cannot say that anymore. He was right. Yeah. So. Uh, they went down and scored on the fourth down play, and then I'm thinking, well, that's bad, plus they get the ball to start. Right. And sure enough, they're driving again. They're driving down the field, and then and we then, get the other turnover, yeah. which was, uh, who caused it? Levante recovered it. Was it Mike Edwards? Or you mean punching the ball out? Yeah. Who we, we for, Or was that the Winfield interception? In any case. I should bring the game book with us. No, no. Because it's four days. Ago. No, no, it's what I was just saying, Doug. Yeah. It's the strip sack. Yeah. So they have a chance to do the whole score at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. And if they had scored on that drive, it would have been 31-14. to 14. And th- th- at that point, you have to admit, you would have been thinking it was a bad Yeah, game. it was not going to so be So the good. strip sack by Shaq stopped that. And then all the momentum switched. And the Buccaneers finally find themselves up 27-24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then, 28-24. Yeah, because it was 31-31. Yeah, so 28-24, and then we added a field goal, and then they they had the game-tying sure. drive. Right. Um, and then we had the game-winning Which was disappointing drive. when they had the game-tying yeah. drive. Yeah, but I did look at the person next to me and goes, well, hey, there's three minutes left. Or it was like yeah. three minutes left, I think, three or five minutes left. I'm like, that's all. As they were driving down, it kind of felt inevitable. Yeah. Uh, it felt like the previous long drive at the be- at the end of the second half. So I'm like, oh, man, I think I, I just hope they get in score quickly. Yeah, so you don't get – we still got three minutes, and we got Tom Brady. There you and go. sure enough, that's what happened. Yeah, yep, with yep. a little bit of extra tension at the end. Sure, a couple other ah, little things keeps it exciting. Um, we have only five. Now you've noticed, and we've talked about how the way defenses have been playing us, especially the last few weeks, with so many two high safety shells, so uh-huh. many soft zones, yep. that we have adjusted by throwing just a lot of underneath passes, and it's working. It's working fine. We are not getting the opportunity. There's a lot of double coverage with the safety on Mike and Chris, especially Mike. And so we're not getting a lot of opportunities to throw the ball down the field. We only have five completions of 20 or more yards in the last two games, four of them by Gronk. How important has it been that Gronk is back? We're a different team. If we had not had Gronk these last two games and the way the teams played us, we would have much bigger struggle trying to make it work this way. He, he is the key to this offense against the two high How seasons. difference does the team play with Gronk and in and then Sean Murphy bunting back in? No, that has definitely helped for sure. I mean, it... it, it but then Jamel and Dean went yeah. down. Yeah. So fortunately, Desir was able to step up. Desir. Yeah, they... Boy, are... are, are yeah. It'll be nice when... Uh, when everybody's know, back. When everybody's back and play like you, you think you're going to play during training Carlton camp. Davis said today he felt really confident that yep. he'd be able to play if they activate him, so that's so, good. Yeah, he's on that 21-day thing. Um, Anthony Nelson has five quarterback hits in his last three games. I thought he had a good game. I that's kind of... You know, game. he doesn't get a ton of snaps, so no. he had five quarterback hits in the last three games. He's, he had zero before that. He's taking advantage of when he's in. He's coming up a little yeah. bit. And then Kevin Minter looked good when he had to play for Devin White. I yeah. Thought. He always does. Sure. But I specifically was watching him someplace, and he's doing a good job out there. All right. Do you All got right. anything more about that game? No. Yay, we won. Let's talk just a little bit about um, the NFC the only other thing, The only thing I got to say about that game is that, um, with all due respect, the press box food was a little ishy, but... That's a whole other story. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't yeah. good. Go ahead. We're spoiled. 
I, I think the Bucks have yeah at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, yeah, it spoiled. doesn't get any better than that. Go ahead. Um, Let's go. I want to talk about the NFC South just a little bit before we get to our guest. Oh, here. okay. Uh, because the Buccaneers. Okay, so when we lost at New Orleans, mm. that was bad. It was horrible, and it made us tied with New Orleans for first in the division. Didn't it make it us did. five it, and two? Yes, it, we yeah five and two, and now we're tied with the Saints. And since then, the Saints have lost four in a row. I know, and uh, they're going to Taysom Hill now tonight to maybe see if they can do something about that. Right. And the Buccaneers have won three of. So four. who do you root for as a Buck fan? In case what well, tonight? Well, New Orleans, Dallas. Let's see. So they're going to hear this after the game. But who should you have root, rooted for for us between New Orleans and Dallas? Yeah. I was I thinking. Kn- about, I was actually thinking about this earlier, and I was I was glad I didn't have to write about it. Yeah. I. I, I'm just curious. I, I heard, think I want Dallas to win. I do too. First of all, what you can do in those situations before even trying to um, figure it out logically, uh-huh. just close your eyes for a second and just think, who do I want to see lose? Do, do it emotionally. Oh, I want the Saints to lose, man. <laughs> and I've hated the Cowboys my whole life. Yeah. And the Cowboys are closer to the Bucks in the standings than the Saints. I, the, only reason why, the only reason why I want the Saints to lose is because we beat Dallas, so if we get into a tiebreaker, we, 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 we take care of that. If... The Saints lose, and the Bucks beat Atlanta. I mean, mathematically, it's getting to where it's not over the division is going to be very close to over before there the season. There is a scenario over. we can clinch within two weeks. Yeah, well, there you go. But so. um, it's not over yet. But if the Saints lose and the Bucks win, the Bucks have a four-game lead in the division with and with five to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. Jinx, I'm not worried about jinxing by right. saying you've basically got it wrapped up. And and then so well, then you yeah then you, d- come on you've got it wrapped up. Dude, I remember nine and three. I know. John Gruden's last year. I know this is not that team. Okay, well that's true. That's true. But we. But I don't think Todd Bowles is going to leave or at least take <laughs> the USC defensive coordinator job you know, in early December. You don't think things are going to happen like that? Okay, okay, I'm with you. So, um, <laughs> so the point well taken. So you know you'll feel pretty much. I'll feel like yeah, you feel strongly that you're you have gonna, a four game lead with yeah. five to go. Yep. Okay, so at that point. And if you don't, then you didn't deserve to be there anyway. So. At that point, you've locked up one of the top four seeds and a uh, first game, first round home game mm-hmm. to get the possibility of a second home game. If yeah. you win the first one, you've got to sure. be the second seed. Of course, yeah. the first one would be a bye. So what the Buccaneers will be fighting for will be to catch Green Bay and or Arizona. Mm-hmm. If they don't and the Cowboys catch them, all we're talking about is the difference between the third and the fourth seed. Sure. And you can't even tell me right now you know which team you'd rather face in the first round of the playoffs. So, at the moment, I don't see any particular value of the third seed over the fourth seed. Right. And like you said, we do have the tiebreaker in hand against Dallas. So, Dallas doesn't scare me at all. No. Even if they pass us, they yeah. don't scare me. Right. So, therefore, logically and emotionally, I want the Saints to lose. I'm with you. And by the time this is up, we will know. But they're, gonna, they're apparently going to start Taysom Hill. We'll see how that goes. They're yeah. 0 4 with Northwestern's finest, Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Uh, he uh, had one good game. Against us. He had one, yeah. <laughs> a one three quarters of a good game. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, and then you have Carolina, uh-huh. um, which is in shambles at the moment. Yeah, spent $6 million for Superman, and it's not going so well. So, yeah, so Cam Newton comes back. The first game he plays in, he doesn't start. P.J. Nope. Walker, that's uh-huh. his name, right? Yeah. He's the starter. They beat somebody. No, they actually ended up losing the game. 
to, no, wa- they to won. Washington. No, they won the first game they played um, when Cam when Cam okay. came back. He he, he 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 had two big plays: a passing play and a running play, both for touchdowns. Yeah, but that's about all he played, right? Yes. The next game he started, he yeah. played pretty well, mm-hmm. but they lost to Washington. Yes, they did. So now it's all like Cam's back. Even Cam is saying, "I'm back." Yeah. And then this last week happens, and he and was, it's a disaster. And Cam is back throwing picks and five and twenty five of twenty one, yep. two picks, a pass rating of five point eight. And that was eventually against, got benched. Was that against the Dolphins? Yes, yeah. I believe it was. Who has a pretty well, good defense? Well, the Dolphins are now on a four game win streak. Yeah, they're so. on a roll. We caught yeah. them at the right time. Yes, we did. Uh, so and we have two games left against Carolina. Mm-hmm. So what you want is for them to be in shambles. Christian McCaffrey is now again out for the year. He has missed like you know, I think he is such a great player and just gets it done when he can play, but it, he's that guy that can stay healthy. Well, the last he gets two years. Beat up. Yeah, the last two years. Yes. So that that's what you want to be and that's right after they sign him to the huge contract. Yeah. Any time you sign a running back to a huge contract, there's a lot of people out there that say, eh, "I don't care how good he is, don't sign running sure. backs to big contracts." Sure. They usually don't pay off. But you can understand because he was such a huge part of their offense. Yeah, and he was more than just a running back. I mean, he Right, he plays like 98% yeah. of the snaps and yeah. is the center of their offense. So it's right. understandable. But this could be just another way of, of answering why you don't sign running backs to gigantic contracts. Yeah. Because since he signed it, I, what's he played, like 10 games? Yeah, they all of a sudden that whole, that whole yeah, I think in the last two years, I think he, it's, it is something like that. So it's, if you were them, if you were Carolina management right now and you could rewind – would you still give him that contract? Well, probably not. But but you have to go by his body of work. So I kinda, I, I kind of go. You know what? And you know from a, from a team that was not winning from a marketing standpoint, he's a good guy to have on. Well, so, he's a great player, no so, no doubt. But one of the know, one of the abilities you need to really make a contract pay off is avail- well, availability. Availability is your best ability. It's yes. one of the most important ones. Right. I'm with you. All right, Jeff. I All think right. I'm good if you want to move on to our, yeah, our interview. I do. I'm looking forward to talking yeah, to you. Yeah, he seems like a really smart dude mm-hmm. from when I've seen him do interviews. Um, so And 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 also I think he and he can tell us more specifically, but I think he does a decent amount of charitable work that has been um, sort of uh, prompted by the experiences he's had in his own life. Yep. So you ready? Let's uh, go do that let's, part. Let's do it. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. And now we are joined by our special guest of the week, cornerback Pierre Desir. And Pierre, as we say to all you guys who give us this time, we really appreciate it because we know how busy you are. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. We'll, we'll uh, try to let our fans get a, a closer look at you as a person in a minute, but we got to start with the pick, man. The interception to seal the game, a wild game in Indianapolis, and no, it, no small thing, that was the, the spot of probably the – best part of your career so far so just tell us what that felt like to get that pick and especially in Indianapolis it was a great feeling you know um number one to finish out the game and come out with a victory but also just you know getting that interception in a place that you spent um so much time in I spent so much time there made a lot of good friends uh was able to really boost my career and you know take care of my family so it just felt it just felt really good uh, to be able to uh, close it out, um, and especially in Indy. You know what I was thinking, and it doesn't matter what I was thinking, but when that last play was being run and, and the ball goes up in the air, I'm sitting up in the press box going, "Please, let's not get a DPI, no DPI." You know, they might have a shot. <laughs> right. Does that even go in your head? Are you trying to be extra careful not to do anything that the refs might throw a flag on, or is it just a normal play? I mean, at that point, the ball is in the air, and you got to really forget about the receiver and just go for the ball. So that's that was my main focus, just to go for the ball and. 
you know, uh, Pittman was on me. I was going to try to make sure he didn't catch it, knock it down. But my, my main concern was just going up for the ball. You know, when every time a player goes back to where he once played, we always wonder if uh, if there's that extra little juice during the game. Was was that for you also? And and um, is it kind of like you get to say, you guys made a mistake, I'm still good? <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my uh, my family about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's those things that you know, you know those guys, you know those people, you, you spend so much time there. Um, and it just felt good to be able to go out there and play and play with a little bit of extra juice because you went against those guys in practice before, you know, the coaches. So you kind of kind of have an idea of how to play them. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things like, you know, for me, I don't take nothing personal. Personal is part of the business. Um, and uh, I'll just do my job, go out there. And uh, I did have a little bit of extra juice, but made sure I did my job and helped my team win. You ended up playing all but six snaps on defense. Jamel Dean went out early. And it's just yet another guy in your group having a, a bit of a mishap, getting some unfortunate injury luck. It, do you guys look around it in this season? And go, what more could happen? It's like every every week there's another cornerback getting hurt. You know that's part of the uh, National Football League. You know, just, just as much as we uh, take care of our bodies, you know, you never know. I mean, anything can happen, and uh, we always have that next man up mentality um, in our on our team. So. We we all have to be ready. We all have to when we ever be, get called upon, just go out there and execute. There shouldn't be any fall off, and uh, that's how we practice and that's how we play. And uh, you know, if someone gets injured or something like that, get hurt, um, there should be no fall off. Looking at the number of teams that you've been with, you you uh, were drafted by Cleveland. And let me see if I get all these right. You were in Seattle twice. You're in Cleveland. You're in Baltimore. You were with the Jets. And now you're with us, correct? I was, yeah, and I, I was also uh, with the Chargers. For a little oh, that's right, that's right, that's correct. After Cleveland, you went to the Chargers. Yes, sir. So you go to all these teams, you see how things are different. What is the first thing you do when you go to a new team? I think the first, well, the first thing that I do is I want to show the guys and earn the respect. So I go out there, uh, you know, just just practice hard because um, I want the guys to see. Um, what I can do, and uh, just just make no excuses. Go out there, introduce yourself. Um, try to try to you know be befriend a lot of the players and a lot of the coaches. But you know, one first thing for me is go out there, work hard, and show my teammates that you know I'm I'm here to I'm here to work. I'm here to do whatever it's called upon me to do. So you've been to a number of teams, but you come to the Buccaneers, and you were willing as a veteran, you were willing to go on the practice squad. Where does that? fortitude I guess come from that you would be willing to go to the practice squad because a lot of guys wouldn't do that no for me I love this game so much and I you know I, I feel like I still have a couple of years uh, to play and you know whenever I had the opportunity to uh, come on the Bucks, um, I knew it wasn't going to be a, as a, a active player and I was going to be on the practice squad but I knew uh, what this team did last year and I, and I knew what they were capable of for many years to come and I wanted to be a part of that so the decision for me was I get to go out there and do what I love and play with a great group of guys. Pierre, there's a, you, as you know, obviously, there's a lot of different paths to the NFL. Some of them are harder than others, and I don't think I'm saying anything people don't already know, that you had to fight and work hard and, and get through a lot of obstacles to get here. Um, just to, for the fans that don't know, uh, summarize a little bit of it. Born in Haiti, right? Moved here at the age of four, in, ended up in St. Louis yes. first, and um, – uh, became young parents at the age of 16, 
went to a very small school in Kansas, which separated you from your family. You've had to work a lot of jobs. Your wife's had to work a lot of jobs. Your parents have had to work a lot of jobs. You have three kids now. Do you feel like all that hard work has really paid off and now you and your family are in a place where you all feel comfortable? Yeah, you know, I always look at it as, you know, I don't look at struggle as something negative. I always look at struggle as something that uh, builds builds your character, builds builds a better foundation for you for whenever future obstacles come, you're able to uh, overcome them. And so I use everything, every experience that I had in my past, um, like, you know, being an immigrant, being born in, uh, I mean, being a team father, being a Division II athlete, and I was still able to get drafted uh, going on my eighth year in the NFL. So I just, I just, you know, use all the experiences I had, um, you know, growing up and, and just use that to overcome every adversity that I was faced with in my career. Okay. So you've done all of this and your children though are very fortunate because you are very successful. So how do you instill what you were instilled with on your values to them? For me, I, I show them, uh, I always talk to them about the, the times before I got into the NFL. Um, and I, I make sure that they're involved in my community efforts. Um, I make sure that they talk to my parents to, to really get the understanding of how hard it really was and how it was growing up in Haiti. Um, so I, I do a lot of talking, but I, I, I show them through my actions of how I'm in the community and showing them how other people um, have are a little bit less fortunate than them and still show them that they can overcome a lot um with just a lot of hard work um and faith so i just I, I talk to my kids about it um i give them examples and then um i also i also show them uh what i did and how my parents overcame a lot of obstacles you want to tell us a little bit about what that charitable work is the things that are important to you in the community yeah absolutely um for me uh, i have this uh nonprofit that i work with called samaritan's feet um, i've been working with them uh for over three years uh, we provide shoes for those in need, um, I mean, throughout the world. Um, just on my behalf, I've done uh, some fun, uh, I've done some contributions in uh, St. Louis, um, New Jersey, Indianapolis. Um, that is foundation that's really close to my heart. It's, we don't only just, you know, give kids shoes, but uh, it's, it's a, the humility factor. Of we, you know, we watch the kids' feet, and then we're able to uh, – you know, be a, a servant to the kids and, or, or just the kids, the, the adults and just really give back and learn more about them. Um, as, and, the, you know, charity work with, uh, giving back with like backpacks and, you know, meals and anything that I can do, I can help and because I've been in a lot of those, uh, people's situations growing up. So I know how important it is to use my platform to help others. I apologize, but I didn't catch the word before feet in the name of that program. Oh, uh, Samaritan's feet. Samaritan's. Okay. Gotcha. Is, is there a web is there a website that that you can give us yeah it's a uh, just uh, com. um that's i uh you can go on there you can you can easily look through all of the uh the contributions that i've done um my contributions and many other athletes as well um and uh, yeah it's a very great organization um they, they're doing very great things and um, i'm just happy to be able to partner with them Jeff, we got less than a minute left. I know. Anything else you want to ask? Uh, the only thing is Atlanta's coming up. What do you see? You know, we see a team that has, has shifted uh, on how they play a little bit. Um, they play a little bit more aggressive. Um, so, you know, they, they, beat, they beat the Saints, a team that we lost to. So we know it's not going to be an easy game. 
And I feel like throughout the whole the whole year, as long as we do what we have to do, um, and we, we we come on fire and we come out on on all cylinders, special teams, offense, and defense, um, we'll come out with a W. Right, Pierre, good. thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sharing some of your story, and uh, good luck this weekend in Atlanta. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. The Salty Dogs. And we're back once again on the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. And we are the Salty Dogs. And this is yeah. the part of the podcast where we answer your questions. And, Jeff, I want to – I think when – I only got, like, two questions this week, which is a little disappointing. But I yeah. think part of the problem is I keep forgetting to tell them the, how to send us questions. Yeah. Before we get into the questions – Oh, you, yeah. Good call. You know, when, you know, talking with Pierre and listening to some of the struggles and him having to tell his children – you know, because he is very successful, the question that, that I brought up, how do you instill to your children these values? And, of course, he tells them the, his, his story and his grandparents, his parents' story, their grandparents' story. But it made me think, and I, and I was going to say it, but I held it back. I was going to say, um, oh, so in other words, when you tell the kids that you're walking uphill to and from school in the snow both ways, you know, you know, remember your parents would always tell you oh, yeah. how hard they had it. Yeah. He really did. He really did. He really and, did. Yeah. And his parents did, too. And so his parents actually are pretty good. As he talked about, he says he has his kids talk to his parents. That's pretty good because they can tell him d- directly, you know, how what Pierre had to go through. Yeah. And what they don't. Hopefully. And for a guy that's been on that many teams and have that great of an attitude, uh, very impressed with him. I do think, Jeff, you asked him the question about being willing to go on a practice squad. Things have changed a little bit over the last two years yeah. because they've expanded those to 16, and they have, um, and they've made six spots on there that you can have veteran exceptions. You know, a guy like Pierre would not have been uh, eligible, eligible before. a few years but ago. But the money's different, though, is it not? Uh, well, <clears throat> it's it's a decent amount. I think it's something like twelve thousand a week. Yeah. Which, when you if you're on there for the whole season, it's a pretty good salary. I'd like to make that sure. twelve times eighteen. You don't. I don't make twelve times eighteen thousand, oh. or eighteen times twelve thousand. Okay, I don't think I'd have to do the math. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, but you get if you get up to the active roster, obviously it pays sure. more. Especially if you're more of a veteran, because but there the are veteran, veterans veteran minimum is higher. There are veterans that have would not go on the practice squad. Yeah, but you see a ton of them around. Sure. The, I mean, around the league right now, you you go on to any practice squad right now, and you'll see somebody you recognize. Yeah, you know, like. Guys like Adrian Peterson go on to practice sure. squads because they know the, with the way things are going this season and with they, the fact that yeah. you can get elevated from the practice squad uh, and the fact that anything can happen and then you're right there. It's sure. what happened to Pierre. I mean, yeah. we had all the injuries. He, he got elevated twice. I, I liked his answer, though, because he said he can see a lot where this team is and he wanted to be part of it. So I like that. So anyway, he, right. he uh, I don't know where I was going with that. You were criticizing my question, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you got a good answer, so there's nothing wrong with the question. There you go. I'm just saying I think you see a lot more established veterans I, going on practice squads in, the, in the current climate. Now that you bring it up, yes. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to do is um, he was talking about his charity, Samaritan, that he works, does a lot of work with. Sure. Samaritan's Feet, and if you want to check out their website, I'm looking at it right now. It's SamaritansFeet.org, and that is spelled S A M A R I T A N S. F E E T dot org. Samar- you know, like Good Samaritan. Sure. Samaritan's feet. Okay. So if you good if you're stuff. interested in what he was talking about, you can check you can check it out. It does look like it's a global charity. Yeah. From what I'm seeing he here. He did say that. It serves. It says it serves. It served eight eight point four million peoples worldwide. Kind of love it. 108 countries, 
450 wow. U.S. cities, 98,000 volunteers in the last eight years. So I love they're doing it. a lot of good work. He's doing okay. it. I like it. Another right. thing I'm going to spell out here is that I don't think I've been doing a good job of you telling people not. how to send us questions. You not. The best way is to um, is to uh, email us at saltydogs, which I'm going to assume you know how to spell. Sure. At buccaneers.nfl.com. Right. Okay. Maybe when you tweet out that we uh, that hey the new salty dogs yeah. is out there when you do Include that it there too. you can go hey if you have a question after mm-hmm. listening to the salty dogs here's the you site. can also tweet at me sure and if you say hey this is for salty dogs I'll take it oh okay they can do a direct message put a little hashtag just, in there oh, okay oh I see hashtag what you can't do, you can't direct message somebody on right. Twitter unless you're following each other okay so but what are you what are you Scott uh, Scott S Bucks okay I would guess that a majority of the people that would listen to this podcast probably also already know how to find me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, that's my guess. Sure. All right. Um, so I only have two. And that's one of them, fine. And one of them, of course, is from our, our buddy in uh, in uh, Brazil. Yeah, he's on a win streak. Yeah, well, I think he figured out the pattern was he has to send us a question, and it has to be have something to do with football. Oh. And if he does that, because he forgot one week and we lost. Sure. But then he remembered, and we still lost. But the question wasn't about football. Oh. Right? So that's the plan. So I'm kind of obligated to read a, a question he sends every week. I wish you would. And, of course, I only got two this week anyway, so. He's in luck. Uh, ahoy, salty ones. Hope this finds you both well. It is. And this is all, like, every word's a sentence, like a period. What a game. <laughs> a huge win. A team win with a capital W. Yeah. I was, I, and I'm going to just, spoiler alert. If we didn't win, the letter would be W. T F. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I did not try to research his question because it sounded hard and I didn't feel like doing it. Okay. I was wondering, and I think Mr. Smith is the right person to ask, sure. when was the last time, if ever, that a winning team had 68% of its pass yards and 70% of its rush yards condensed in just two players? And, of course, he's talking about Leonard right. Fournette and Rob Gronkowski. Great. Gronkowski had 123 receiving yards. I think Fournette had 31. Um you know, guys like Chris and Mike were only getting like 30 yards, 25 mm-hmm. yards each. And then Leonard, of course, had the 100 yards rushing. Um, but I don't actually think this is that was a particularly rare thing. I've seen games. Yeah, like I was that. just going to say, I don't I, I don't even have to research that. I, I don't think it is. Yeah, I yeah. Don't, I, that's why I didn't bother researching it, because my um, just basic memory and experience right. tells me that's maybe not the most common thing, but it's not that uncommon. No. One guy has a big game. It's a good question. A couple guys have a big game. Yeah. And in this case, it was basically... We were taking what they were taking away our outside receivers. That was their point, mm-hmm. right? So it was going to be a big Lenny game and a big Gronk game. It just was. Yeah. No, so. it's it's Cam Braid had a couple big catches. I'd like to see that continue. And yes, a, and Cam, a big Cam, and a good uh, pass interference yeah, he, call. He drew a DPI. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Okay, so I, also in this email, okay. he attached a photo. Oh. And it was a photo that you and Dave and um, and uh, Gino took. It was like a selfie, oh, a three-person selfie with yeah. the stadium in the background? You know, I was trying to figure that. No, it, after the game was over with, we we went into break, and Dave was like, hey, hey, let's get a picture, let's get a picture. And I'm like, what, what? And he goes, come on, come on, come on. And I and I guess he uh, tweeted it out. It was from Dave Moore Twitter. Yep. So Dave tweeted out the three-person selfie of you, and you were in the middle, and I he was. says, I saw the attached photo on Dave Moore Twitter, and, it, and I mean, this is we know this guy Andrew or Alexander is yeah. a big Bucks fan. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. If you, you know that whole meme I was doing. Tell me you're this without telling me you're this. Uh-huh. Tell me you're a Bucks fan without telling me you're a Bucks fan. 
I follow Dave Moore on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. That would be one way. <laughs> that would be a... I've, I saw the attached photo of Dave Moore on Dave Moore Twitter, and I was curious if the person in the middle is the other salty dog I hear weekly during football. It is. Yes, it is. That wow. is Jeff Ryan. That... And, you know, he's, he's, he's like me. Well, he's more salt and pepper. I'm pretty much all salt at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that's the guy. Did Do you think his voice matches his no. visage? I have a I have a face for radio. <laughs> if you saw... Or podcasting. Yeah. Now that it's you do, you have You have the voice. You are gifted with the voice. Yeah. Okay. Second question. Ye old salty dogs. Ye old salty dogs. We're nearly to December now. So I think it's time to start talking about awards, Ooh. as in which Bucks are going to win them. Ah. Pro Bowl, All-Pro, MVP, that kind of thing. Do any Bucks have a shot? I remember that Derek Brooks was the Defensive Player of the Year when we won the Super Bowl, but has any Buck ever won MVP or the other awards? Could Bruce be Coach of the Year if the Bucks win another Super Bowl? I feel like there should be more individual awards on a team that is the defending champs and is once again one of the best teams in the league. What do you guys think? Thanks. First-time email sender. You know, like people say, first-time caller. Josh Kelly, I think is how it would be pronounced. Okay. Doesn't say where he's from. All right, so a couple things here. Derek Brooks, yes, was Defensive Player of the Year in 02. Warren Sapp also won that award in 99. And Leroy Summon won it in 79. Mm-hmm. So we've actually won that award three times, which is pretty good. Yeah. No Buccaneer has ever won MVP. Yeah. And so Tom Brady's in the running. He's probably in the top three or four. So that would be pretty exciting. I would yeah. be personally quite excited. I, I would, too. I don't think that winning another Super Bowl would get it for Bruce. It would be his third, which would be amazing. Yeah. But, um, and that's because these votes take place well before the Super Bowl. So winning the Super Bowl will not help him. Well, and I think the problem with Bruce is that, uh, you know, people are expecting this team exactly. to, to do it. It's not, it's, yeah. and that's that kind of that you're the unknown team that makes everybody, you're the Cinderella team. The Coach of the Year award generally goes to a, the coach of a team who does a lot better than people expected. Sure. Um, you know, and who would that be this year? Cliff, Cliff King. I, I was just going to say Arizona right now. Yeah. Um, there's got to be a better choice than that. You think? Uh, I mean, could well, they give it to Belichick again? Well, you know, you have to. You know, they haven't lost since since they lost against us. Is that right? I believe so. They're on like a six game win streak. I'm gonna have to look that up. Look it up. It's crazy how well they're real doing. Fast. I didn't think it was that. I think they won six in a row. That yeah. could be right though. Um. So, I mean, no, they lost to Dallas in week six. Okay. So, they lost us, beat Houston, big whoop, uh-huh. and then lost to Dallas, and then they've won one, two, three, four, five, six. And, okay. Wow. And there's a mix here. There's some, they beat the Chargers, yeah. they beat the Browns, and they beat the Titans, all of which I would consider pretty quality teams. Yeah. They also beat the Jets, the Panthers. They I beat th- the crap out of the Panthers. They beat the crap out of the Falcons, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what coach. I mean, five in would- the road. Yeah, I would say I would say you know if if the Browns were any good, yeah, they've be been coach, disappointing. That could be a coach of the year. Cincinnati teams that haven't been to the playoffs or or right. haven't been very successful. All right, so last year it was Kevin Savansky of okay. the Browns, Browns, and they went eleven and five, right, and were a big story. Right? Sure. Um, two years, I mean, this is kind of funny. In two thousand eighteen, it was Matt Nagy who's barely holding on to wow, his job because yeah, the Bears went 12-4, and four and they weren't yeah. expected to be that good. Yeah, they want to get rid you of You know, Sean McVay won it the year they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, that was a big turnaround for them. Uh-huh. John Harbaugh won it two years ago when they were 14-2. and two. Um, Yeah, you know, it's, Bruce Arians won it with the Cardinals in 14, uh-huh. and then also with the Colts in 12. Sure. Um, so, I don't know. who Who is it? Let's look at the standings real quick. 
I yeah. I Who's better than they? I mean, New England's better than they were supposed to be. Yeah. Well, let's see. Tennessee. Mike Vrabel. Yeah, except they're not. They're not winning. Yeah, they need to turn they, it back around. They, right, and uh, even in, in oh. Indianapolis, Indianapolis would have a shot at it. I, you know, Frank had him. I like know, Frank Reich. I think he's a good coach. I think he is too. I but think they're he six is and too. six, Jeff. I mean, this is going to. Well, yeah, they, they they need to win a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think people were making fun of him before this year, but Zach Taylor's Bengals are seven and four. Well, that's you know that's I, the kind of guy they give the award yeah, to. Right, and also has okay. So so far. Um, let's, what, what's the record right now for the Packers, right? They, okay, so has he won it? No. What's his name? Um, the Packers Lafleur. Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur has not won this award yet, mm-hmm. and the Packers have gone. And, they've, and they won the MVP. The Packers are 9-3 and three this year. Mm-hmm. Last year they were eleven and five. I think. They were the number one seed at thirteen and three. Okay, there and I think that was his second year. And his first year they went thirteen and three. But his at what point does this guy not win it? But his problem is he's winning during the regular season and he's getting blown out. But the votes are before that. I understand, but because he gets blown out in the playoffs, they made they it to the NFC Championship game and, and lost by eight points. But they've lost twice in the NFC Championship. The, okay, so let me tell you, a couple of years ago, if somebody said, hey, the Bucks are going to go to the NFC Championship game for the next two years but not make the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I would have felt pretty good about that. Yes, you would, the but point that's is that's not how it works anymore. The point is to have your team in the dance. The well, point yeah. is for them to get a shot. Sure. The Bucks got their shot on a wild card. Uh-huh. Certainly weren't expected to win the Super Bowl, but they did. Uh-huh. The point was to get your team there. Yes. And he's done it three years in a row. But look at and I know he has the MVP on his team, but they have also overcome a lot of injuries. Yeah. I'm, I, if, if I'm voting, it's Matt. If I'm voting, it's Bruce Arians. But yeah. we're saying he doesn't have a shot. Sure. So if if it's not Bruce Arians, I'm voting. Matt, I'm voting Matt Lafleur. Okay. That's you make vote. a good argument. That's my vote. Right I'm now. just saying the reason why he's not getting it is because, it, and for whatever reason, if it, you know, just getting to the playoffs is only good for a small period of time. You know. I don't know. Whatever. You know. I don't. I'm not buying your argument. I got to be honest with you. Well, look at different coaches that have all they did was go to the playoffs and then get fired. So we can't. We can't get it. De- we're not going to get defensive player of the year. We're not going to get either of the rookie of the year ones. That'll go to yeah. uh, the linebacker in Dallas sure. and probably Mac Jones. Um, Who's playing really well? We're not getting. We could get MVP. Uh, we should have some Pro Bowlers. We talked about that a little bit already. Um, I don't know what else there would be. Uh, so you know, on the coach. Probably, unless the Bucks just go nuts down the stretch and sure. finish fifteen or fourteen and three, I, and maybe I, I like I like Tom Brady's thing though. When when um, Devin White did make the Pro Bowl and Walt was all upset, and he said there are bigger things to to mm-hmm. win, and I think that's kind of the attitude of this team. Uh, wow, there's a ding, and he goes ooh. Well, since this will be out by tomorrow, yeah. Is this what I think it is? This is not good. Is this this uh, is the news that Antonio Brown. Mike Edwards and a guy that's no longer with us, John Franklin, uh-huh. are all being suspended for three games for violation of COVID policies, okay. COVID protocols. Okay. The national. I'm not. I'm, we're not editorializing on this no. at all, Jeff, because it's not. Well, it is can't. not for us to speak for the team. No. But I will just read you this, what this says. The National Football League announced today discipline of three players for violating jointly developed and administered NFL NFLPA COVID-19 protocols. Tampa Bay's Antonio Brown and Mike Edwards have each been suspended without pay for the next three games. Free agent John Franklin III, if signed by a club, is also ineligible to play in the next three games, 
All three players have accepted the discipline and waived their right of appeal. The suspensions are effective immediately. Mm. All right, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, We were just reading the news. We were about to wrap this up anyway. You will see and hear plenty about those things anyway. You don't need us to talk about them. Sure. But in any case, uh, we uh, thanks to Pierre Desir again for joining us. Thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, we appreciate that. Yes. We really like it when you send us in questions, and I just told you how. So if you made it this far into it, please send us some questions. Right. Send, us, if, send us something fun. Yep. Ask Jeff if he wraps presents and how good he is yep. or what he wants for Christmas. Something sure. Like that. All right? My two front teeth. Hey, I want to say thanks again to Beef O'Brady's. Uh, if you turn to this podcast, you got a couple of us that were the classics, like wings, nachos, Angus burgers, beer. You just put them all together, and you got Beef O'Brady's. And coming up, game time, hungry for tailgating greatness. Try Beefs to go or full-on catering. Beef O'Brady's, where game time meets tailgating time every time. Since you did, thanks for listening.